shh, everybody quiet down. Why do I still hear talking? Oh, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, welcome back to chapter 7. Well, not back to chapter 7. Welcome to chapter 7. Welcome back to Near Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on chapter 7 now. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, I suggest you go back and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have a copy of Near Christianity, go get one and read along with us. See what you think. Um, yeah. We highly recommend it. We highly recommend pretty much everything by C.S. Lewis. I found two C.S. Lewis books at the bookstore the other day that I did not know existed. Wow. Which I was amazed because I thought I had already read everything by him. That and is crazy. I think the part of the reason is because they were like academic. Oh, more. interesting. Um, they're not, I think, you know, he was a professor. I think maybe he wrote them for his students or something yeah. like that because one was like a look into criticism and yeah. it was about like literary criticism and... I don't remember what the other one was, but it definitely wasn't, weren't books that were written to be, to be marketed to just anybody. Probably why you hadn't heard them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you, if you don't have a copy of this, yeah, again, we both highly recommend it just because it's just takes you over the foundations of what it means to be a Christian. And if that's like, like it was for both of us when we read it for the first time, I don't think we'd ever been exposed to anything like that, that, Mm -hmm gave you such a solid base other than just having to like read through the Bible Mm -hmm. and, and try to figure it all out from, from nothing is really hard. This does a really good job of of Lewis walking you through. Yeah. Easy step by step. And yeah, so far he's mainly just been walking through why believe in in any God at all versus no God. Right. Um, Spent seven chapters doing that so far. So it's really good. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So chapter seven. Chapter seven the is invasion. called, yeah, the invasion. And this is actually chapter two of book two, because what the book that's called near Christianity is actually four different books. The first two books being his radio broadcasts that he did during World War Two. Um, but I went through and wrote a little number seven above the number two on mine, <laughs> so I can keep track. Um, you want to? Do you, you remember the last chapter, Walt? It's been a while. Um, I believe so. The last one is called "The Rival Con- Conceptions of God." Um, yeah, it lays out the difference between pantheism and atheism and Christianity, and. Here he kind of does the same. In this chapter seven, he jumps back in and discusses the difference between Christianity and what he calls Christianity and water. (laughs) The view which simply says there is a God in heaven and everything is all right. It leaves out all the kind of harder stuff to stomach, the kind of harder things to work through. Mm -hmm. And... He talks about how any real religion, when you're talking about God, you're talking about religion, it's it's not a simple topic. It's mm. it's complicated. And yeah. the more closer you look at it, the more complicated it gets. Mm. Um, 
And he, I've underlined here the first sentence, the first two sentences in the second paragraph. It says, it is no good asking for a simple religion. Mm. After all, real things are not simple. And what he, he talks about, like the table he's sitting at might look simple, but if you ask a scientist to start talking about the atoms that make up the wood and even just how the table is made yeah. by the carpenter or whoever else, it's like become the closer and more precise you get the more complicated it gets yeah. um and religion is the same way it's not simple if it would, and i think people like to put up straw man arguments mm. um and sometimes against religion sometimes for religion right. um some people say oh it's it's a it's for children you know mm. if you actually think about it it anybody would you yeah know, because it's it's too simple to be real, and then I've heard people talk about how oh you'd have to be stupid not to believe in it because it's so simple, yeah. you know. Yeah, and uh, I think there is like a, I think there's a great reason to simplify things and to put it forward in a simple way, but definitely not trying to say that that's all there is, especially when we're talking about a relational. Uh, a relationship that you have with God, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way that's going to be mm-hmm. a simple thing. I don't think any relationship is simple, um, but if it, you know, it's super helpful to to talk about it in simple terms. And if you're trying to simplify it, anybody who tells you it's simple is not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that this is a topic that's been under debate for thousands of years by people. There's so much smarter than us or than anybody really i mean hmm. like experts in their field experts in theology experts in science and everybody from every walk of life yeah. that has an opinion and that disagrees with each other hmm. um and if it was simple that wouldn't be the case it's you know it, it's very clearly not simple yeah um, Lewis says, very often, however, this silly procedure is adopted by people who are not silly, but who consciously or unconsciously want to destroy Christianity. So people put, so, such people put up a version of Christianity suitable for a child of six and make that the object of their attack. Mm. Just like I was saying a minute ago, people say, claim that it's simple to try to make it a straw man argument right. and just pull it apart. And, you know, that's one thing. You know, a version of... Lewis says a version of Christianity, but it could just be a version of God, even. Um, Like, every... every, You hear atheists talk all the time, like, oh, no, of course I don't believe in a giant bearded guy sitting up in the sky judging people. It's like, no, that's not what we believe in either. (laughs) It's not something from a comic book. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I love this, too, this last line in this paragraph. He says, notice, too, their idea of making... Their idea of God making religion simple, as if religion were something God invented and Mm -hmm. not his statement to us of certain quite unalterable facts about his own nature. Yeah. That was crazy for me to read that. Like, I've I've always kind of struggled with trying to find a better alternative to the word religion for Mm -hmm. what Christianity is and like what true Christians believe. And that was a super amazing way to put it, I think. Um... Not something that God invented, but his statement to us of certain unalterable facts about his own nature, right? Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. His nature being love to and for us. Yeah. 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 It's, I underline that as well. Um, And that's one thing, you know, it's God explaining 
the, in the Bible, God explains facts about his nature and about sin and mm-hmm. about creation. That's one thing I talked with you about in Genesis. He talks about when he created the world mm-hmm. and where we read that as if that's simple mm-hmm. and as if we can, it's possible, as if it's possible for us to comprehend what yeah. he's talking about, you know, because yeah. nobody, no human being has ever seen or created anything the way God creates something. When we create something, we mean we rearrange the materials or the ideas that are at our disposal. But when God said he created the world, he had literally nothing and spoke it into being. Mm. At least that's what he, the way he breaks it down for us. And it's like that, we, we don't, you don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> You've never seen anything like that in your life. And, and it's so much more complicated. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, I, I've said before, we've talked about in home church, it's like a nuclear physicist explaining what they were are working on to an ant. <laughs> you know? It's got to be so simplified level. to be written down. And mm. so, and another thing he says is like, Christianity is not the, not the religion or not the, the, kind of God's game plan that you might expect. Mm. It's something odd is what he says. It's yeah. Rea- and he says it's true of reality as well. Reality is often not what you'd expect, but it's surprising and strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says the same is true of Christianity. Um, I like this little bit. Um, since the problem is not simple, why would we expect the answer to be simple as well, right? The mm-hmm. problem is not simple. The answer is not going to be simple either. And he restates, what is the problem? Well, the fact that a universe contains much that is obviously bad and apparently meaningless, but also contains creatures like ourselves who know that it is bad and meaningless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about in the last chapter, the chapter before. So right. Like that. And I underlined after that where he says, there are only two views that face all the facts. One is the Christian view that this is a good world that has gone wrong. Mm-hmm but still retains the memory of what ought to have been. Mm. The other is the view called dualism. And then he goes on to talk about dualism, which we'll mention in a second. But when he says face all the facts, he means what Walter just said, that that there's a, there's evil in the world and yeah. the fact that we can tell that it is evil. Right. And we rebel against that in a sense. That's where this whole thing, that's the foundation of all of this. He started out talking about the moral law. And how we have this strange sense of morality for what's right and wrong. Um, and so that kind of led to this whole line of questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finally is leading up to this, right? That's That leads to an interesting problem. Where did we get this sense mm-hmm. of right and wrong? Right? And one thing that I, I was thinking about when I read this is he says there are only two views that face all the facts mm. and I thought is there really only two yeah. that face those facts mm. that seems like a bold claim to me I yeah. mean I don't That's... know a whole lot about other religions um, but I would suspect that there's ones that have an answer for this in some sense but maybe it's the same answer as the Christian view in that it's a good world that's gone bad and, right. you know, has some sense of that. Um, mm-hmm. and, but so yeah, let's know. look at these two, if, these two views that he, that he proposes as, you know, views that can hold up to these facts. And one of them is the Christian view. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like you just said, it's a world that's gone wrong, right? But it still, I like that he uses that so poetic. It retains the memory of Uh, what ought to have been, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what our, I think that's what he's arguing our moral sense is. We still have a feeling for how things should be, and we're aware that they aren't that way. Exactly. Which is this moral law that Mm -hmm. he's been talking about. This other one, dualism, means the belief that there are two equal and independent powers at the back of everything, one of them good and the other bad, and that the universe is the battlefield in which they fight out endless war. Mm. And for a while, man, that caught me. I was like, is that not the same thing? But the key words here are equal and independent powers. Exactly. And, you know, he goes on to explain how evil cannot exist independently yeah in a sense everything evil is relies on good to exist evil is is good that has been corrupted Mm. in a sense perverted Um, mm -hmm. yeah um i've underlined a couple places he says um in, in reality, we have no experience of anyone liking badness just because it is bad. Mm. Um, it's always about something. They're trying to attain something. Yeah. Money, power, or safety, or yes. pleasure. Um, and he says all of those things are actually good. Yeah, they're good in themselves. Right. Um, the badness, he says, consists in pursuing them by the wrong method or in the wrong way or too much. Mm. And then he says, wickedness, when you examine it, turns out to be the pursuit of some good in the wrong way. Mm. You, can, you can be good for the mere sake of goodness. You cannot be bad for the mere sake of badness. Yeah. You're being bad It's or evil, it's for something else yeah. you know it's it's not for itself um mm. whereas you can be good just for the sake of being good um later on he's uh, i'm just jumping between the parts mm. that i've got underlined here but he says evil is a parasite not an original thing mm. yeah so one of the strongest points he makes against dualism he puts here is kind of the same point he's made about our moral law right like if these are equal powers why do we have a sense of which of them is right and which one of them Mm -hmm. is wrong right um if they're both equal and they're both independent of each other then where do we get this higher standard for judging the two and saying okay this is good this is bad because Mm -hmm. that implies there's a third higher thing above both of them yeah which is which has the authority to say okay this is good this is bad this is right Mm -hmm. this is wrong if by right and wrong we simply he talks about we simply mean which one we prefer yeah then there's no sense in calling one good and one bad right but if we really mean one is good and one is bad then that again just says that there's something else that's saying we ought to prefer this one to that one, um, which means that there's something above this again, and that would be God. Yeah, um, yeah. And and that kind of leads to what he proposes as the the right solution to this set of problems, which is that there is a war being waged, a, a great war between mm-hmm. good and evil, um, but that it's not two equal sides. That yeah. evil came out of good like i think he mentions directly um kind of 
Satan's origin story, right? Mm-hmm. As a fallen angel, it came out of a perversion of good. And, and this sets us up for the reason that we understand good as good, right? Why are the right and wrong not two equals? Why mm-hmm. do we prefer one? Well, because God is timeless. Satan is not, right? Yeah. He was created out of that. I've underlined the part where he says Christianity thinks this dark power, talking about Satan or whatever evil is, um, was created by God and was good when he was created Mm. and went wrong. Mm. Um, Christianity, Christianity agrees with dualism that this universe is at war, but does not think this is a war between independent powers. Mm. It thinks it is a civil war, Mm. a rebellion, and that we are living in a part of the universe occupied by the rebel, the rebel. So poetic again. I so know. Dramatic. I love that. He wanted to be a poet before he started writing. <laughs> yeah, um, you definitely see it should come up here. Um, this, you know, made me think of something we've talked about before, and maybe we should just do a whole podcast episode on it. But mm. it, he says, you know, God made the devil, and the devil fell from heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an, he was an angel, he turned against God, and he fell from heaven. Yeah. Does that mean, then, that God created evil? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I know. And it's a, it's probably a topic for a different podcast. Yeah. I know you and I agree, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. We had a debate over the summer about it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You don't forgot. I've talked with Taylor about it a lot as yeah. well. Um, and I, I think... I'll, I'll lay out my view on it right away um but just that i i do not think that god created evil Mm -hmm. purely because it says in the bible that he detests evil and that's the whole reason that jesus came to die on the cross was to take the sacrifice for our sins because god cannot be in the presence of sin yeah um so if you know that's why he can't create something that is the opposite of him yeah um I would say that he created beings with the potential mm. to sin. Yeah. The potential to turn to evil, obviously, because yeah. he created Satan and or Lucifer, and Lucifer turned to, to evil. Um, and I think to some people, creating a being with the potential to go evil is the same thing as creating evil. Yeah. But I would don't think that it is. I, I think I'm with you there. And um, to, to tie back into what he was kind of mentioning here... In order for there to be evil, there has to be good to pervert, to mm-hmm. uh, corrupt. And so if you think that when God, I guess God never created good, he was good timelessly. Mm-hmm. In doing so, created evil, I don't quite agree with you there. I think that well, yeah, the other evil thing is, is just coming out of that. That God is uh, purely good. Mm-hmm. And good is the opposite of evil. Yeah. And you can't get, you can't create evil from, you know... If evil's the opposite of good and God is purely good, he can't make something that is exactly... He can't produce his exact opposite, right? Right. right. So is that logical? <laughs> I think so. And uh, we're getting into complicated things, but again, yeah. that's that's the whole start of this chapter. Is he says the answer is not simple. There's complicated aspects to it. And so it's worth pursuing mm-hmm. an understanding and understanding and like having a... I think what he, what I would like to call it is a mature 
uh, worldview. Like mm -hmm. actually consider things thoroughly. Um, it doesn't mean it can't start simple with, well, you know, Christ died for my sins, but flesh that out, explore what that means mm -hmm. for you, what that means about the world around you and, and let your, your faith and your beliefs grow up in a sense, let them come to maturity. He kind of calls them a more manly view and I don't, I don't like that very much. Yeah. I prefer mature, but, um, and, you know, at the end, he talks about, he gives this, uh, this example, talking again about enemy-occupied enemy territory, mm. like we're living in the, in the territory occupied by the rebels in this, this war. Um, he says, when you go to church, you're really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. He does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just thought that example just shows again, it reminded me again that he was talking to soldiers during World War II. Yeah. Like it just, wow. like, you know, it had to be very relatable to them. Yeah. Um, but he continues and says, I know someone will ask me. Do you really mean at this time of day to reintroduce our old friend the devil, hooves, horns, and all? Well, what the time of day has to do with it, I do not know, and I am not particular about the hooves and the horns, but in other respects, my answer is, yes, I do. I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. If anybody really wants to know him better, I would say to that person, don't worry, if you really want to, you will. Whether you'll like it when you do is another question. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, the main point of this chapter is, is just the difference between dualism and Christianity mm -hmm. um, and how dualism, again, just brings us right back to that same, that same question mm -hmm. of, okay, well, if we prefer, if we mean something more serious than just which one we prefer, if yeah. we really mean good and bad. Yeah. What is it that is telling us we ought to prefer and yeah. do good instead of bad? Yeah. And, you know, same thing he's been talking about before. Um, you know, the this idea that he lays out that you cannot have evil independent of its, of it independently. Mm. It has to, it relies on good to exist. Yeah. Made me think of a conversation that we had like two years ago hmm. about whether or not there was more evil in the world oh, or yeah. more good right because you i said that i thought there was more good in the world than evil yeah and you felt that there was more evil in the world than good and yeah. i think the difference was for me was this basically that yeah. you know people exist and they do evil things mm -hmm. but the fact that they exist existence on its own is a good thing yeah you know yeah and so i think everything in the world is good and then it is corrupted by evil yeah. and mm -hmm. in one sense i think and maybe and you can tell me if i'm wrong but your viewpoint is that if evil has corrupted it it has corrupted it entirely and so the whole thing then counts as evil. Yeah, and maybe. I I agree with that to a point. And the way this is the best way I can think to put it is if you had a gallon of milk mm -hmm. and you put a 
like drop of coronavirus or <laughs> E. coli or yeah. just the nastiest, most germ-ridden whatever thing, yeah. if I dipped one of my dirty socks in there, right, nobody's going to drink any part of that gallon. At right. All. Even though the amount of bad in there is minuscule, yeah. the whole thing is corrupted. Right. But there's still more good than there is bad. There's mm. still more good milk than there is bad germs yeah. or whatever. Um, Small bit of corruption, but, but it's it still, still ruins corruption. the whole thing. You, it's no good to anybody until that corruption is gone. Yeah. Which is mm. what, which is, the, you know, that's why Jesus came and died yeah. on the cross, so that we could be free of the corruption. Yeah. But in my view, that's still why I claim that there's more good in the world than there is yeah. evil. But that's a, re- that's a re- really interesting analogy to make. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because like it, it brings up the point of why it's important that we have to be perfect mm-hmm. in order to have a relationship with God. Right. Exactly. Even that one little drop of something in there, the whole thing untouchable. Is, yeah. Right? You're not going to, it's, you might as well pour it out. Yeah. You that's can't the, be in the presence of mm-hmm. anything that's other than perfectly hundred percent pure and mm-hmm. perfect. It doesn't matter how good you are. Mm. It, it you have to be perfect right and nobody's perfect yeah which is why we're in this whole conundrum <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole point of it right <laughs> why we need that righteousness why christ had to come die on a cross but we'll get to that in the future yeah that's that's there's more to come um <laughs> it's a little a little taste foreshadowing <laughs> um one thing i like about this as well is he mentions briefly how awfully close um, Christianity comes to dualism. It's very similar in that there's these two great powers, one good, one evil, at war with each other um, throughout the universe. And so in that sense, it almost looks like the same thing. The key difference being that Christianity, um, you understand that there is a true good side, right? It's not just two arbitrary forces, which one's right, which one's mm-hmm. wrong, doesn't really matter, right? There is a good, there is a right side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we are, we just crossed over 800 total streams. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so the more you guys share the podcast with people, that's a huge benefit to us. Um, you know, I've said it before, but I do have a website where I post stories, poetry, blog topics on similar stuff that we talked about on the podcast. Um, if you guys want more of the things that I make, you can check that out. And I did start a Patreon as well. Um, if you guys want to support what we're doing, you can find a link to my Patreon account from my website, um, which I'll put I'll put that in the description. But thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. That's all, folks. That's all, folks.